You're listening to Metal and High Heels, the official podcast from the magazine about metal, lifestyle, and entertainment. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Metal and High Heels podcast. I am Kiki, and I'm here with my co-host, Pia. Hello. And we also have a very special guest today, uh, Charlie Rule from As Everything Unfolds. How are you doing today, Charlie? I'm good, thank you. How are you all? <laughs> We're good. Uh, it's been a long day. I'm a bit tired, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it has been a very long day. <laughs> so Kiki, do you want to start with the personal background questions? Yes, I, um, I would like to know uh, how you grew up did you grow up with a lot of music in your uh, environment are there any musicians in your family maybe so i grew up um obviously i'm from the uk so um but my mom is from scotland and my dad's from england and they grew up listening to a lot of music but mainly so they grew up in the 80s obviously and um so there was a lot of um 80s new romantic um that is pretty much exclusively what my parents listened to so like anything like adaman and um sort of aha and all that kind of stuff which is constantly going on even now and when I was growing up that was pretty much what I listened to and then um in sort of going into the um later 90s I think my parents started listening especially my dad started listening to bands like Oasis and mm -hmm. U2 and bands like that so it's, it's always been sort of prevalent in my um in my life as we've always got music playing in the house even if it's just the radio But, um, but actually, my gran is a pianist and composer. That's sort of what she did. Oh, nice. Um, so she's had a big influence on my sort of musical influences. She's always been very, like, you know, encouraging of me. And she's always, you know, typical gran thing. When I show her my music, she goes, oh, I love it, but I just don't like the screaming. <laughs> and I'm, oh. like, I'm like, it's okay, gran, we'll just let that go. But, um, but yeah, and then actually, weirdly, on my other side, I've got quite a lot of um, musicians um, sort of even going back quite a few generations as well, which is quite cool. So, yeah. Does that mean you also uh, went into musical education and like the more formal part of uh, music? So I didn't do any form of musical education. So in the UK, we have things called GCSEs, which are like your first exams that you take when you're like 16. Mm -hmm. And I remember a lot of people did it. And I remember I didn't take it because it was a toss up between that and what media studies which I was really into as well and I, di I didn't take music and I've never done music as a subject I've never studied music and actually I don't think anyone in my band ever did none of okay. us did so um I think we've all had the odd lesson here and there later on mm -hmm. but we've not none of us have been formally trained wow okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice that's hard to believe because yeah uh, your debut album is so good, but we, we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> um, how did you get into metal? Oh my God. It was a very gradual process for me. And I think, like I said, my parents didn't listen to metal at all. Like the heaviest it would go was <laughs> like Oasis. I'm not even joking. So it was, there was no sense of like, I'd never heard of bands like Iron Maiden or Metallica. I'd never heard of them growing up until I got to my teenage years. I'd never heard of them. So, um, and it's not that my parents didn't agree with it or anything they just didn't like it and um so when I got to secondary school obviously I sort of I think the first band they were technically classed as a pop band which was like Busted and Avril Lavigne so I started getting into them and then once I got sort of 13 14 I sort of started discovering bands like Paramore and Fallout Boy and then um 
watching Kerrang and places like that. And then gradually I would sort of discover bands and it, you know, got to the age of about 16 and, you know, bands like Asking Alexandria were around and they were like the big thing at the time, you know. And then I think from there it just, I think that's probably the point where I was like, oh, I don't mind this. This is this is okay. But <laughs> I've, I've, I've never really been into like the sort of old school metal. I'm very much like... I much prefer sort of the newer newer style stuff like I don't even particularly like like Bullet for My Valentine which I know people <laughs> always crucify me for they're like how can you say that and I'm like it's not that I don't like appreciate what they do because they're incredible musicians they're incredible songwriters I just don't don't like it <laughs> yeah sometimes that's the case I also have some bands I can't even say that I don't like them but the music doesn't mm. stick in my brain so I After the song is out, I immediately forget about it. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some things just uh, don't resonate with um, mm. you. Mm. <laughs> I don't know, people. Yes. So are bands like Asking Alexandria also your musical influences? Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say they're probably well I think they were probably one of the first heavier bands I got into but I think definitely my influences come more from even though I we I do quite a lot of heavy vocals my a lot of my influences come from um I'd probably say more like Lacey Sturm from Flyleaf that's probably mm -hmm. the first band that I listened to with a female sort of screamer in inverted commas you know and I was like oh this is cool like she kind of uses it to accent like angry parts of the song That's what I've always done before, but obviously songs like Wallow on the new album and there's another heavy one as well. We sort of took that one step further and I actually started screaming for whole sections of songs. And so it's just more of a development from um, from that. But I think, yeah, Lacey Sturm is definitely probably one of my top influences. And obviously Hayley Williams from Paramore, because I get the comparison all the time and I can't deny, like, I think growing up, I learned to sing listening to Paramore. And I think most people did at that age and fallout boy the same thing i learned a lot of my vibrato style from listening to people like patrick stump you know the really quick vibrato and that kind of thing so there's probably more so those bands that have influenced me <laughs> and just before we go uh into other topics does that mean that you also uh, because sometimes it's just different you know like the more formal theory musical education but have you ever had vocal lessons like for singing or screaming so i had like when i was first started this band i had sort of vocal lessons just to kind of get my stamina up i was finding that i was pushing quite a lot when i didn't need to which is also something that you learn through microphone technique, which again is something that you probably learn when you're formally educated. But when you're not, you don't really learn these things and you kind of learn as you go. So obviously now I'm much more understanding of I don't need to push because the microphone does the work for me. And in, and that's something that actually now with screaming, I'm trying to find somebody to teach me because um, it's something that I really want to work on. You know, I'm getting better and better, but there's certain skills that I want to learn and, you know, changing your tone and different types of screaming and things like that. I want to try and investigate that. And, you know, because I, I do find myself, you know, it is more tiring. It all, It's naturally more tiring. And I just want to try and find a way to make myself not nearly pass out every time I do it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried the Melissa Cross stuff? I think she's quite popular. Yeah, I, do you know, what? I keep meaning to get the DVD, but I don't own a DVD player. So I'm like, <laughs> I just don't own one anymore. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll try and find it online. It's not on YouTube, but I'd like to pay for it because I know she's a really good 
vocal coaching, but I might try and dig out a DVD player. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can go over to the next topic, which is uh, the founding of As Everything Unfolds. How did you find each other and get your start there? So um, the band already existed um, before I was in it. And they, I mean, I joined this band when I was, I think I was 16 or 17. So we were quite young when we first sort of found each other. But in the, I don't know if you have it in Germany, but there's a website called Join My Band, which is basically like a forum or like a Craigslist effectively of, of musicians just putting their adverts out. And it's kind of notoriously known for having people who are not particularly great on there. And, you know, I just thought I'd try my luck. I'd just finished with my, my band that I had from high school. And so I was, oh, I'm just going to find, see, see what I can find, see who's available, because you can do it by area so you can find people near you. Mm -hmm. And this band from about less than 20 miles away from me sent me an email and said, oh, we really like your stuff. Like, here's some of our music. And I was like, oh, cool, that sounds really good. And then we met in a in a car park outside a supermarket and then that went from there, basically. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. It's not a very, like, um, exciting introduction to the band. <laughs> no, but I think that's, like, um, the internet age style of uh, starting up your band, right? <laughs> I think it's hard to find people who are really good as musicians, And uh, the chance that your friends are really good and you are yourself really good is very low. So <laughs> you have to find musicians that want to play your music also. Yeah, and actually, funnily enough, we found both of our drummers. So our previous drummer we found on there and our current drummer we also found on there. So and every time we tell people, they're like, I can't believe you got so lucky on that website. Like, it's it's almost just full. You all sort of have to like sift through the shit to kind of find the gold in it. It's, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's we just got lucky, basically. <laughs> Does it work like a dating app that you can swipe left or right? I wish it did. It'd be so much easier, but it's so old fashioned. <laughs> like, you know, you have to read. People have got like a paragraph and a bio and links and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are some platforms like that as well. There, there is actually, though, um, an app that where you can swipe right and left for uh, looking for musicians is it a app that's worldwide yeah it's international it's called vamper oh. and um i don't know i never found anybody because it's like there's no it's not known in germany and so there's no there aren't yeah. many local musicians so it doesn't really help when that happens yeah it's trying to get those things off the ground because they're such good ideas and there's so many people looking for bands and you know it's it's just a shame that they don't pick up Really? Yeah, that's true. They also had a, a crowdfunding campaign lately. I don't remember exactly for what. I think they were trying to change the product. But um, yeah, it's actually, uh, it's still a pretty cool story, right? Because it shows your initiative and the effort to find yourself um, bandmates. I don't think, uh, as Pia was saying, I don't think that it happens anymore that, you know, oh, we're friends, we grew up together, and we at some point uh, decided to do music. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't yeah, it doesn't happen that way anymore. It would be cool if it did, but yeah, the internet age has taken over. <laughs> yeah, and it's also good. Good things can happen from that as we as we have been seeing. So you joined the band then and um up until 2018 when you released Closure. What happened there? How were you finding your own style, etc.? There was obviously quite a gap between um that and I think 
initially, I think we all just were having fun and we were young and, you know, band practices consisted of just ordering pizza, drinking beer, um, not really doing a huge amount and just doing covers, you know, as you do when you're sort of younger, you just sort of play along to songs and we sort of started taking it a bit more seriously and we got gigs and only local shows and but then we sort of started to pick up a bit of traction and people were like oh you guys are really good oh, da, da. and we sort of went do you know what? maybe we could actually do something with this you know maybe it's worthwhile we actually try so we wrote um our first ep which you can't get on spotify but it is available from our band camp i think you can still get it um so that was pre-closure I think that was like the year before, or t- I think it was like 2017 or something. Oh, I can't right. remember. Yeah, it's but it's not on our Spotify and stuff. We we took it off there to try and hide it from the world. Um, <laughs> but it is it's still available if people really want to listen to it. But it's a self-produced EP we did um, when we were still trying to find our sound, and you can still hear it's us, but it's definitely a more immature version of what we are now. <laughs> okay, and. Uh, closure was also self-released you weren't signed back then yet no no so that was um yeah completely on our own back basically and it's five tracks on that ep um did you just put the money between you together for those recordings and just get yourselves to a studio or how how did you do that So, yeah, I mean, up until pretty much until we signed to Long Branch, we paid for everything. Um, it, we would try and pay for as much as we could out of, like, merch. Um, you know, we'd try and use some of the money from that. But um, we would split the money. So we went to a producer, but he he's, he wasn't too expensive, um, so it was pretty good. But And also with videos, we would do the same as well. Every video we did, we'd split the money. And um, but it it did limit us in terms of who we could go with, and but it was a starting point for us. And I do think that that EP, you know, the one of the songs is still our top listened song. It's got like six hundred thousand streams on Spotify, and we never really expected that to happen. We just kind of thought, oh, we've got this these five songs, and they're quite good. So let's record an EP. I think it was like two hundred pound per song or something. It wasn't a lot of money um, compared to a lot of other producers. So. Yeah, and then it just kind of went from there. <laughs> That's incredible. And then you got signed by Long Branch Records. And did they? How did they find you? Was the EP, or did you reach out to them with your EP, or did you get discovered? <laughs> so um, they've actually been they've actually been following us for quite a while, and we've we've known about them for years. They've um, there was a guy called Flo who used to work there, who was actually the guy who kind of scouted us out, and um. He was really keen for us to join. And at the time, I think we'd only just released that EP. So they've been on, you know, watching us for a while. And, you know, we were young and we we had we had management, but we and then our manager kind of stopped doing it. So we didn't have any management. So we we weren't sure about taking a label deal with that management and how that would work. So we were a bit kind of apprehensive. So we so we went ahead by ourselves for a while. And um, I think then. At, after the success of the EP, they then approached us again and were like, "We want to do your debut album." And we had we've got good men, really good management now. Our manager Jay is an absolute angel, and he worked it all out. And it's been quite smooth sailing, actually. They've been really, really good to us. So yeah, it's all worked out really well. <laughs> That's really cool. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> the debut within each less the other drops in March 26th. My next question doesn't make any sense anymore <laughs> because I wanted to ask if you played in other bands before but you already answered this because 
Yeah, it's hard to believe, as I already said, that it's a debut album because it already sounds so good. And the sound, I'm used to listening to debut albums that sound a bit random, so to speak. But yeah. <laughs> your album, um, it really fits. All the songs fit together. That's really cool. I'm glad somebody said that because we always feel like it's such a like mess of songs. But I think that's just because when you're on this side of it, you critically analyze everything to within an inch of your life. And you're sort of like, oh no, we, you know, we spent so long with the song order. But I think also going back to what you were saying about, you know, it sounding so cohesive and, you know, well done. And we spent a long time writing those songs, like probably up to two years writing and rewriting. And there were songs that didn't make it. And then one of the songs was written a week before we went into the studio and it ended up being one of our favorites. And, It was kind of a weird, weirdly planned, but not planned album. <laughs> it, you know, um, the recording went really smoothly and then we've had hiccups here and there with other things. But I think it, I think it's all going, going well and I'm, I'm enjoying the process, which means I think it's going well. <laughs> yeah. Um, now that you mention it, the album starts with a song on the inside. Yeah. And um, that's a song that you can easily dance along and also party to. And to me, it was a, a bit like a contrast to the rest of the album which is more melancholic how come you start with a song like this we've always delved into kind of different versions of ourselves like you know we do the really heavy stuff and the poppy stuff and the the ballad stuff and you know um I think that song was written a lot later on so it's more recent and we are definitely going more in that direction because I think we just enjoy writing fun songs that people can jump to I think the more we've played live the more he realized songs like that get people excited and get people going and that's also why we put it first on the album as well because we thought if any song's going to get people going and get people excited that's going to be the one to do it <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah I think I think playing live is a main reason why you realize that songs like that are really important you know it's all about like the tempo like if people can jump and dance to it then I think you're onto a winner just automatically. <laughs> mm, yeah, and it's also a good song to begin with at a concert. Yes, yeah. Um, you released Wallow. The song's a blast. I knew other stuff by, um, that you released before, but Wallow really got me into your music. Um, also because you show what you were able to do as a vocalist, so it's really impressive that you can do this screams, the so-called half screams, but also also the softer parts with a really light voice. So um, is there something else you you already said that you want to um, get better at screaming, but is there something else that you want to achieve as a singer in general? To be honest, singing-wise, it's just strengthening my voice. It's just trying to get the best out of my voice. And I think one thing I've always done in the studio, which is I've focused far too much on getting the notes right rather than getting the emotion right and you know and I think anybody that's been in the studio knows that you know you can fix you can fix things if they're not in the right tune but you can't fix emotion and you can't add you know you can't add grit and you can't add sadness to a to the sound of a um to the sound of your the tone of your voice so I think that's something I want to try and it's more just my in myself I need to kind of let go of like the stress and not not think about it too much because I'm such an overthinker and when I overthink that's when I start singing badly and then I start getting annoyed at myself and whereas if I just let go a little bit it just comes out so much more naturally. And you're also able to sing the high notes very cool like in Let Me Go 
maybe I just um, mix the songs. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, 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 that is <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, the higher yeah, notes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is quite high because I'm not a particularly, I'm, my range is not particularly high. Um, and I don't really use my high range because I think I'm scared of it. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, um, because it is, it is quite daunting, especially live. And I do feel, and this is a point, I think it might come up later, but being a woman as well, you're almost under a microscope. And I feel like being a woman, you are expected to perform so much more perfectly vocally than a man. I feel like you get away with less. And it's so that has always been something that's in my mind. And I'm like, I've got to hit the note. And I'm thinking, OK, if I just don't write it with that note in it, then I can avoid it altogether. So I think I do try to put them in there, especially when they really work. And I think I do want to try and push it next time around when we're writing again try and add some more high stuff in there because it does sound cool <laughs> one last time is also a i wouldn't call it a ballad because it also um becomes quite heavy but mm. that's a song where the where your voice is a bit lower so um the notes that you sing what do you enjoy the most the lower clean vocals or the screams or the higher clean vocals what is it i think the lower vocals and the screams are my favorite i think weirdly when you're playing live i think the best analogy is live it's When you're screaming, it's like you do get in a bit of an adrenaline hit when you're doing it because it, it, you know, it takes so much energy out of you, but it also kind of invigorates you. And I just get really like, and especially when I do a good one, I'm like, oh, yes, I'm on a roll now. And I get a bit of like a confidence boost and it it really makes me feel good. And then um, with the lower stuff, it's easier for me to control my voice there. So I can kind of step back a little bit and kind of take a breather almost and relax into it a little bit. But um Yeah, I shouldn't be so scared of those high notes because I'm not awful at them, but it's just, I think it's just the mental thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and I didn't really figure out a, a real ballad, so to speak, on the album. Um, what do you think about ballads in general and will there be a ballad in the future, maybe? Um, I think, to be honest, the closest we're going to get is um, probably Grayscale and Wither, mm. but I don't know our... We are starting to write again, obviously. I mean, lockdown, we haven't got a huge lot else to do. So um, we don't know. Well, our direction's going quite interesting. So there might might be some slower things in there. You never know. And the song Stay, for me, was a bit outstanding because it has a lot of rock and roll and a lot of uh, straightforward energy. It was less melancholic. Mm -hmm. It had a very cool groove also. Was this the most fun song to record yeah I think you're right I think this one and on the inside are kind of like sister songs they're mm, kind of like yeah. the ones that we we sort of put together and we're going they are definitely live songs that I think people will enjoy and that was kind of why not why they were written but it is part of the reason they were written but um yeah no that song was the most fun to do and in the studio it was the one that I pretty much did it in less than an hour it was it was so straightforward so which was nice. really nice for a change <laughs> mm. Yeah, you can really hear that. It's a very cool song. Also to yeah, to to wake yourself up like I had to do <laughs> before this. <laughs> you already mentioned Wither. This is the last song on the album and it ends really abrupt. So the listeners kind of being kicked out of your sound world. That's that was really hard <laughs> when I listened to the album the first time. What's the what was your intention behind ending the album like this? So weirdly, it, the, I don't really get involved in a lot of the music side. Of, like when Adam and John, so our guitarist and our sort of programming and synth guy, he they do a lot of the main writing. 
Um, so, and they finished the song and I was like, do you know what would be really cool is if we just ended it really abruptly? And they sort of looked at me and went, no. And I was like, no, no, just try it. I think, it, and it's one thing, I, and originally that song wasn't at the end of the album when we originally sort of planned it. It was meant to be before Stay. So it went, duh, and then came straight in with the new one. But actually when we, um, when we ended up listening to the album in full, we thought it was quite a weird way of, you know, a lot of bands do like a fade out or anything like that. And we just really liked the abruptness of this is the end now. And it kind of leaves you, yeah, it kind of feels you like you're on the edge of a cliff. So then maybe you want to go back around and listen to it again. You know, maybe it's all psychological. (laughs) (laughs) It works. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really cool. um, Yeah, before, I mean, years ago, there were also those... um, Remember the time of CDs? (laughs) (laughs) Hidden tracks, remember? Like Mm, the song ended and then there were like five minutes of silence and there was the bonus track or something like that. Oh, wow. Like I feel old now. No, I remember um, My Chemical Romance on the Black Parade. It was a hundred seconds because I was really sad and I counted a hundred seconds and then there was like a hidden track. So that was very exciting at the time. That'd be a fun thing to do in in streaming times again. Um, Yeah, maybe, you know, little surprise or something. Uh, You also uh, released uh, some music videos. Um, Do you have a favorite? Okay, so uh, (laughs) I have a favorite, but it's currently being edited. So I don't know what it looks like yet, but in my head it looks great. (laughs) But um, no, I think at the moment, the ones that are released, um, I think Stranger in the Mirror is my favorite. So... I tend to, I come up with all the concepts for the videos. So a lot of the visuals to do with the album is kind of my love child. It's kind of something I've created. Um, so I mocked up all, you know, all the artwork. We got a designer to do it, but I kind of came up with the ideas. And same with the video, I kind of spout ideas and our videographer will then put it, bring it to life. And I really wanted this like really bright video because we're basically going along the colours of like white, red and black. And... Um, I really wanted that to be really prevalent. So I was like, let's just make something really like clean and crisp and something that people aren't really expecting. Because our video before that was quite dark and chaotic and, you know, kind of all over the place. And I thought that would kind of bring people out and go, oh, okay, wait a minute. That's that's quite cool. And then we've got a video, our video coming out tomorrow, which I'm very excited about. But I spent three hours in a water tank. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so um, I, I was desperate to do underwater stuff. And then I realized I was like, oh, it's winter and it's fucking freezing. Oh, but no. it was it was good fun, though. Anyway, I pretended to be a mermaid for about three hours. So, <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I look forward to watching it. I wasn't literally a mermaid. I was just in my head. I was a mermaid. <laughs> We will link that video in our show notes as well. But... Talking about videos, you also mentioned um, before we started talking about the album that you did videos before you were signed. Mm-hmm. Was that also an out-of-pocket thing? Um, how did you make them back then without, you know, maybe the consultation of the whole video team? Back then, it was more of a mixed effort. I wasn't I wasn't as, like, um, involved in the, like, visual creative process Um which is weird because I, I studied photography at university and I'm very into all that kind of stuff. So, but I never, I never really sort of saw it as an art form that I was interested in until we got to this album, but we'd normally kind of pitch together and come up with ideas. And um, the guy who we first did a video with 
you were recommended through a friend and you know they, they weren't they weren't too expensive and we, we tried to get locations that either were free or cheap I mean the despondency music video is filmed in our guitarist front living room so you know it we we would try and do things to reduce the cost as much as we could because it was out of our own pockets I mean we, we all work full-time but at the time most of us were at university as well so we were working part-time basically paying money for our cars and the band <laughs> So yeah, that was um that was probably harder than it is now. <laughs> okay, so it was still kind of DIY, but not really. So you did work with uh, external people, so to speak. Yeah, for videos, we've always worked with external people. Like internally, we can't. We I don't think we could pull off anything that would look even half decent. So um, you know, we even tried to do photo shoots with me, and it was just an absolute disaster. We've always hired people. Um, and I do feel it's important as well to hire people because, um, you know, there's a lot of good photographers and stuff, even people who are starting out. And it's really good to help them because people did that to me when I was starting out as well. And it really helped my photographic sort of skills get better. So um, for sure. Yeah, we've used kind of fr friends or friends and people that people have recommended. And then as we've gone on, there's different people we've met and kind of we've now built a, a nice sort of collection of people that we like to use, basically. Yeah, it just uh, even now when you said you studied photography, it just reminded me a lot of Forever Still. Um, they also their story is kind of similar to yours. They also did everything themselves, but they had the advantage that the singer Maya is a graphic designer and also taught herself a lot about video editing. And their guitarist is. Um, an audio engineer. So they did everything by themselves. They did really cool videos and had the whole album produced and ready to launch when they got signed to a label. So um, mm. it's kind of, uh, yeah, I see the parallels there. We had um, a few interviews, at least two with them. So I'm also going to, going to link those in the show notes. But maybe before we uh, go on with our questions, Do you want or would you like to share with us what all of you do for work? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're all very boring. <laughs> um, it's So I work in a secondary school as an art technician and an unqualified teacher. So I'm not, I didn't go to university and study education, so I can't be classed as a qualified teacher. But I do teach, um, so I do like workshops, so like digital Photoshop workshops and photography things. and But mainly it's just sort of, background stuff like um getting all the work schemes ready and things like that but um I do enjoy it to be fair it's, it's great and I get lots of holiday which is lovely and um but um the boys so Adam is a so he works two jobs so he's a chef in a pub so he absolutely adores cooking like it's it's so handy and um, and then he also works part-time in a um in a theatre so he does like light engineering and He's very into like audio engineering as well. So we've kind of had his skills. He's the guy that mixed our first EP in the band. And then um, we've got John, who's the programming guy, who actually now works full-time as a producer. That is what he does as a job now. He also produced your album as well? No, no. Um, so back in the day, like, he was so young. He was, like, 16, 15, 16. He was still at school. So when we, annoyingly, we could have done with him being a producer then but obviously we're all a bit older now and everybody's gone and done their thing but he he does um kind of like um k-pop and rappers and stuff like that it's not really like metal he doesn't really we obviously go to him and record like demos and things but 
um, we don't go to him for our proper recording. And then um, Jamie is, uh, he works for, George, Jamie and George work in the same place and they work for a company that provides business grants <laughs> for um, local businesses. Owen currently is sort of between jobs. He, unfortunately, COVID was not very friendly to him and he lost his jobs. But um, he's he's working somewhere at the moment, um, just temporarily. But he he's um, he went to university and studied like music business and stuff. So he's trying to get into something like that. So yeah, so I think cool. I think that's everybody. I think that's everybody. Yeah, that is everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, I I like to talk about all of these things away from the art itself, so to speak. Also to uh, give everybody uh, some insight in your daily life. Get to know you better, of course, and um, yeah, understand things better, maybe <laughs> in general. But going back to the album now, where do you draw inspiration for songwriting from? So a lot, a lot of it is just personal experience, or um, or experiences of other people in the band. And I write the lyrics. Um, so, or and I would take like a situation and I will sort of frame it around that. But I also do write sort of objectively, like songs like "Take Me There." A kind of about a certain subject that isn't directly related to me it's something that makes me frustrated but I haven't personally experienced anything that the song's about but um it's kind of it's definitely more of a personal standpoint more than anything so that's something maybe I don't know I, I heard somewhere lately I, it might have been another podcast um that one shouldn't ask the lyrics writer um about what the songs are about Mm. But I was listening to Wallow this afternoon and, and, and reading the lyrics while I did. And um, can you or do you want to uh, go a little bit into what that song is about? Yeah, I can, I can, I can, give, a vague, I can give a vague kind of outline of what it's about. Because it's it's, it is a personal thing to me, but I do feel like I like to write songs that people can project onto their own situations as well. So I don't tend to make them like two in a box. But it's basically about like somebody sort of like, almost like gaslighting you and like making you feel kind of worthless and sort of hammering you down you know basically till you're like till you're so so low that you just don't have any faith in yourself anymore and you're just sort of, I'm just an object in a game that was kind of the idea behind that song it's quite an angry song obviously and I think it was, it was very much like a therapy song for me more than anything <laughs> oh that's good does the album in general have a topic lyric wise because the lyrics seem like they belong together somehow or deal with similar things. Yeah, so um, so the album name, um, I played around with a lot of... While we were um, recording the album, I was sort of really focusing on what we were going to call it and what the whole album was going to be about. And um, I sort of really liked the idea of um, sort of the as above, so below sort of psychology. And the lyrics I'd written are very much like... I, I hate myself, but I'm I'm going to be better. And they've kind of got a message of like hope in them and everything's going to be okay. So I'm like, okay, well, from a personal standpoint, it's like you have to kind of experience the worst bits of yourself to kind of improve and to understand what you need to do to get better. That was kind of like within each, within each lies the other. So it's like within each of us lies another us that we don't particularly like, but you kind of need to acknowledge to kind of learn from it and move forward so that was kind of the idea behind that and I do feel like a lot of the songs or pretty much all of the songs fit into that um category basically yeah um especially Stranger in the Mirror and Hiding from Myself that it's very obvious that the mm -hmm. protagonist deals with kind of self-doubt 
Yeah. So um, my question for you is, what are you doing to encourage yourself? I think to be honest, it's just learning, learning that it, a lot of the things that I think used, what I thought used to matter just didn't. <laughs> like um, something as silly as, you know, when I would leave the house, I would have to put a full face of makeup on and, you know, make sure I was dressed up in everything. And I sort of learned that, and I know it sounds so minor, but it like I learned that I was just like, I don't care what people think. And I think that was my main thing for me like in a lot of my life and a lot of my anxieties come from how people perceive me. So I really worry about how other people view me. And obviously being a front woman, that's obviously quite an intense anxiety to have. So um, I had to battle that quite a lot. And like, you know, I would... I would play shows and I would be obsessed with like, oh my God, I'm sweating too much. Oh my God, I can't believe I look like this. And the boys would just turn around and be like, Charlie, it doesn't matter. Like people don't care. And, you know, it took me a long time to kind of realize that. But I think I am really, really slowly getting there and I'm becoming happier in myself. Definitely 100%. <laughs> so, which is nice. Cool. Yeah. And very important. Yes. Mm. I think the next questions we have step a bit away from the album. So is there anything else you want to add concerning the album, the upcoming album? No, I think I think we covered pretty much most most of the stuff, which is good. So yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, the next question we come back to reality. Um how did the pandemic affect your songwriting and your recording process? Did it have any effect on that? So we were really lucky that we'd pretty much recorded our whole album just before we got put into our first lockdown. So it didn't affect our album as such, but it has obviously affected our touring. Um, we we were supposed to go on. I think our tour's been rescheduled three times now, and we're just we're just not announcing anything until we know what's happening. But in terms of our actual like writing process, because we've started writing again, you know, we recorded this album over a year ago. So for us, everything's sort of a year ahead compared to the public. But um, no, it's been quite good because we've been able to sort of focus on that without thinking about anything else and almost not having to worry about touring at the same time. It's kind of been our sole focus at the moment. It's been hard. To kind of, I don't really want to write about the pandemic because I feel like there's there's enough going on now that, you know, people just want to forget about the pandemic. Yeah. Mm. I don't really want to write songs about it. And I don't feel like actually it's going to help anybody. So I'm including myself. I think I'm just trying to have more fun with the writing and try and enjoy the process, the creativity process at the moment. Okay, a more funnier topic. Do you sometimes watch reaction videos to your music or your music videos? Oh my God, I watch all of them. I love them. <laughs> I'm such like, honestly, me, like none of the, the rest of the boys don't care, but apart from George, our bassist, me and George are obsessed with going through our, like, we just go, as everything unfolds and we're like, oh, has anybody done anything today? Like we, we do watch like everything that goes up. I'm really intrigued of what people say and um, whether it be negative or positive, like I don't care. I just want to see what people say because <laughs> uh, I'm really nosy as well so uh, so yeah it's but I do love it I do love seeing people get like excited and I think again we don't really see ourselves as a professional band still you know we still feel like kids playing music in a bedroom so when you see people like doing reaction videos to your song you're like oh my god I can't believe they care about us you know <laughs> <laughs> have people started covering your music maybe we've got we've actually got quite a few but not as many as I like I'd hope. And I said to Adam, I said, you need to stop writing like complicated songs so people can actually cover them. <laughs> so, but I know we, we have been getting, we've got quite a few drum ones. There was a boy who was like, he must be about like 13 and he did a drum cover of Harding for Myself and it is the most incredible thing I've watched. Me and Jamie literally sat and we were like, Jamie was like, I can't believe a 13 year old is better than me. 
So it is on YouTube. And we were just like, oh, my God. So it's really nice seeing things like that. And clearly he really liked the song and he took the time to learn it, which was really, really lovely. The show notes with links to everything we mentioned during the show, you can find under metal-and-highhouse.com slash podcast. There you can find all our recordings and you can pick your point of interest. So now I hand over to Kiki with her favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> or, or two of your favorite topics. One of my favorite topics. That's actually a, quite a cool segue as well, because um, you were just saying that you do kind of pay attention to what people think about you and your music, so to speak. And also what you mentioned before, that you feel sometimes like obviously put on the spotlight as a front woman, right? But under the, a microscope as well. Mm -hmm. And you did mention that you do feel that that happens to women, especially. Mm -hmm. What kind of experiences have, have you made so far with this kind of sexism in music or in metal? Mm. I mean, to be honest, uh, I'm always honest in saying that I've been really, really lucky that the people I've been around, especially the men, have been really, really fair to me. You know, my bands don't treat me any differently. Any man, you know, we used to have a female manager as well. We and she's our tour manager and she drives us around and we have no problem hiring women. And, you know, we we're quite we don't really see that side of it. And yeah, so when I do experience things, it's so weird for me. Okay, but and I haven't experienced many, but it's mainly for me personally, it's mainly been like security guards <laughs> at venues okay. that have kind of either stopped me and gone, Where are you going? And I'm going, Well, to the back room because that's where I'm going. And they sort of and then they look and they go, Oh, well, okay, part of the band. But yet a man will walk straight through and they won't stop them because they're they obviously just assume that they're part of the band. And it's to be honest, I've been so lucky that that's the only thing I've experienced. I know our tour manager, who I was just talking about, she drives bands. That's what she does as a career. And she actually had an email back from a client saying, "Sorry, we can't hire you because you're a woman," which means that we need to hire a whole a, a, buy a whole extra hotel room. And she's like, "No, you don't. I can share a room with men." And they're like, "Sorry, we can't do that." And she's like, "Well, what? clearly that screams more about the men than it does about me." And yes, and it went viral on Twitter, like she posted it all. And it's just so wrong that that sort of thing still exists. And I'll be honest and say that I think it happens to people and women more behind the scenes than it does women who are the musicians. Mm -hmm. I think as the musicians, we are more recognisable. So people will, you know, if you're playing a gig, the sound engineers and the security people will sort of see you on stage so they know that you're part of the band so they won't question you. But it's people like sound engineers who are women who tend to get a lot of um, shit as well. Um, lighting engineers and, you know, backline techs and people like that, that people probably look at them and go, oh, she's a woman who doesn't know what she's doing. You're going, well, who are you to make that judgment? You know, and I do feel like that's definitely something that I've that I've not experienced, but I can definitely see and I've heard people say happens. Yeah, and we actually want to hear those stories. We've been uh, searching for years mm -hmm. <laughs> for uh, exactly that. Um, women in the music industry who work behind the scenes and who would uh, like to talk to us about it. Yeah, that concludes the sexism in music part of the show. <laughs> no? <laughs> It's a very important part of the show. Yeah, It's actually really cool to know that as bad as it still can be, that it's not as omnipresent as I guess it used to be at some point. 
yeah, yeah. And I think that things are getting better. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think within the the, the sort of younger up and coming bands, it's far less prevalent. There are still people that do experience it. Like there's um there's a girl, a girl called Lizzie Farrell who um our manager plays bass for her, and she experiences a lot. I mean, honestly, if you go, she's got uh, she did a cover of the Beastie Boys song Sabotage. And, you know, she was clearly just having fun and she wanted to cover a song she liked. The comments on the YouTube video are disgraceful. It's absolutely like, you know, oh, who is this woman covering this song? This is absolute shit. And you're going, why did you feel the need to do that? And, like, you mm-hmm. know, they'd always say, oh, what, this woman? Oh, it's a, a girl. And you're going, okay, it's it's actually a very good cover, so I don't know what they were chatting shit about. But <laughs> it's just like she, she – I know she has experienced so much of it and it's weird that certain people – have experienced sort of that I mean like I said I've been really lucky or maybe I have experienced and just not noticed it because it's just so normal or normalized I don't Mm. know you know and I think because the people close to me and around me aren't like that I just don't expect it yeah and I think uh, there's that's a very good point that you're making it's sexism is still very deeply rooted in our society so that we sometimes actually don't notice it or are still Mm. part of it and don't know so it can be it can be that kind of thing as well as there are also a few documentaries that we've talked about and or interviewed people for uh, the magazine. I can't remember this one, but I will surely uh, link it in the show notes. Anyway, on that documentary, which Pia and I watched, we watched this together in Holland a few years ago in the cinema as part of a... Oh, the Soaring Highs and... Soaring Highs and Brutal Lows. Yes, that's the one. Thank you. <laughs> And in that one, I think it was that Charlotte Wessels from Delane said something like she has to put a lot of thought on what she wears on stage because she's a woman. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. her bandmates just throw in jeans and T-shirt, you know. Is that something that you also uh, have to think about? Or are there other things which you have to pay attention, especially yeah, I think it's more makeup. I think it's more like I need to, I don't know whether that's just a personal thing or just, you know, because I feel like it is expected of me. I do like, I like to look nice. It makes me feel good. And I think that I, I definitely dress on stage for how it makes me feel good. I don't dress how, um, one thing I'd say is that I don't try and over-sexualize myself on stage because I'm scared of that, which that's obviously a big point because I don't like to wear things that I think like I love wearing dresses and actually I've made such a point of wearing dresses in pretty much all our new music videos because I I feel so much more comfortable um and I feel like me and I don't wear them on stage because I'm so conscious of somebody being like trying to look up my skirt or like and I think to be honest I've never really thought about that and you know I normally just like jeans t-shirt because it's just the safest option and it's not that I don't want to wear that, but I think sometimes I am scared of wearing things because I'm scared of what people might say or, yeah, somebody might try and take an upskirt photo or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's why we need everybody to be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's get to Kiki's second favorite topic, which is marketing. <laughs> <laughs> she also has a marketing podcast, but it's in German. Yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> This is what I do for uh, for work. I do online marketing and also and so when I when I pay attention to bands um that is something that I that I think about as well. Um is there somebody in the band who takes care of the of this more businessy side of of things? So it's probably a combination between me, Owen and George. So 
with between us, like, you know, I've got the creative side, so I create all the content that get that goes on our social media. So all the little like all the trailers for videos, all the all the sort of graphics and things like that. And then um Owen and George between them will sort of plan what's best, you know, whether it's a 10 a.m. Facebook post or a 1 p.m. or a 7 p.m. or you know, figuring out looking at the analytics. Um you know, certain things work better on certain platforms. I mean, we are, we are being absolutely just hammered into the ground by Facebook at the moment. So we're probably going to have to, like, not post for a while. So they're nice to us when we do post. We try and share it between us. And I think the skill set we've all got between us, we pick up different things and try try our best, basically. All right. Is there anybody um, who makes your merch, maybe? Or how do you get that done? Yeah, I design all the merch as well. So I, we will often get like designers to do bits and then I will kind of take it and pull it apart and create stuff. Um, we're using that. So, but we always credit um, our designers and stuff and we'll always ask them if they want, you know, parts of it. But I will sort of, I'll always ask them like, okay, if I pull your artwork apart and use it for merch and they're like, oh yeah, it's fine. So, um, but I will, I will tend to like mock it up and like design the sort of way it's going to go and I get it all printed and I do all the admin to do with that and um, I do all the posting and all the, all the little jobs. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, so you are the person I would ask <laughs> if you have some kind of, of, of digital strategy. We tend to try and post at like 10 a.m. That seems to be the best thing to do at the moment. But we're trying to, and also in terms of our, we, we wiped all our socials, um, before this album campaign started it's something I've I've always been really keen to do and it's not it's not about like getting rid of like the old stuff but it's it's creating a fresh palette that looks so like we're going for this like red white black and I'm like really adamant I'm like we need to follow this pattern because you look at bands like um I don't know, holding absence and um bands like that who kind of follow this like trends the whole way through their album campaign and my favorite band of all time are my chemical romance and Like they've always done that, you know, they did the three chairs of sweet revenge and they did the black parade and they've kind of, they followed the trend the whole way through. And I'm like, I always wanted to do that. So I've worked it all and we've kept it the slate clean and I love going on our Instagram and it just looks so nice and uniform and it makes me so happy. <laughs> it does. And it also, it's not a uniform, but you also have your, I'm guessing, future stage clothes in the colors. That was a yeah. really nice picture that you put up lately too. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And also, so I took a look at your link tree that's linked on your Instagram. And there is a link to a Discord server and a mm -hmm. membership club. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious about those because I think that Discord is taking a lot from social media nowadays. What do you think about that? And uh, what happens in your Discord server? So generally our Discord server is just complete like just chatting to to people. I think it was it was kind of set up just to be a point of contact for I tend to keep my socials quite like I don't say private but like I I don't really add people on Facebook and if people add me like I just won't accept. I just I tend to keep it quite private on that regard. I do post public posts, but I like to keep it kind of closed off and same with Instagram like I don't don't really tend to follow people I don't know and stuff like that and I, that, that is kind of one thing and I, and I do feel bad because I do miss messages from people who are trying you know being nice and complimentary about the album and I said to our manager I was like can we do something that sets up a, a situation where we can talk in a safe environment because also you know as soon as you start getting one message from somebody on Instagram and you accept it 
that's it you're in a conversation with them and it's kind of like you can't get out of it and then you always get notifications and I've had it before where like I've seen a message and ignored it and not not deliberately but you know as you do just going about your day and then I've had a message going oh do you not want to talk to me then and I'm like I can't deal with that I'm not <laughs> so you know so I said is there a space where we can create an environment where we can talk to fans on a sort of casual basis and fans can talk to each other as well because obviously people can meet each other through the band which would be great so that was an issue why I set up and we just share memes and chat about food and share music and you know we were, were going to set up a thing where people can share um download our tabs for the songs so um it's just like a really nice environment at the moment I quite enjoy going on there and looking at the memes <laughs> that's amazing I gotta get on there <laughs> <laughs> I've been observing from my own behavior that I'm less and less on Facebook and on Instagram, and I'm actually more and more connecting with people only through Discord. So um, that's I, I I thought it was a, a brilliant idea. And the other thing, your membership club, is that kind of a private Patreon that you have set up for yourselves? Yeah, it's, it's similar to Patreon, but basically it was kind of set up as a, um, like before the album, basically we wanted to create sort of a lot of people you know when the pandemic hit a lot of people were really sort of friendly and going like can we give you money and we're like I don't just want to take your money like I feel so bad just being like taking your money that's so you know they were like oh have you got a cash app or a paypal and I was like no I, I don't like this I don't want to take your money for nothing so I said okay well if people want to help but we will set up a way that they can get something in return so when you sign up to the membership club you can donate from like so the minimum is five pounds because the minimum it would let us do and then you can do donate anything you want to donate but you, it's basically five pound for a year so it's not like every month and um or however much you choose to donate and you get like 15% off for that year on the whole merch store and you also get exclusive access to like members only items to purchase so like prints and drumsticks and picks and things that we wouldn't sort of sell on the normal store and you also get like access to um all the merch like before everybody else so it's like a pre-order basis and also there's yeah they had like an exclusive t-shirt that didn't go out on like the normal store So it was just something to make them feel like they were getting something back from that situation because I just felt so mean <laughs> taking money from people and I've we always we were all like it we were like we've got to do something for our fans we can't can't just take it take money so <laughs> that is really really cool yeah i think we're almost at the end of the episode but to get back to your music or also your band in general do you have any goals with the band or if you if we'd live in an utopia what would be what you'd like to reach with your band i just love to play like the festival circuit i think you know we're we've never been even able to get a looking before we were on the label and um now we're sort of you know we've got a booking agent label and we're sort of starting to get a bit of traction but Unfortunately, now obviously festivals aren't happening this year. Well, again, we think um, it's it's now put a delay that actually we're probably not the festival pitches are not happening till twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. So I'm just like, oh my god! So we might not even get on a festival till then. <laughs> promising it to all the people who have obviously not been able to play it for the last two years. So mm. I'm like, oh my god! So like for me, I would just love to play like, like Reading and Leeds. Um, Glastonbury um, download festival especially download I think would be really cool and there's also a little festival called Slam Dunk in the UK which is really really cool and it's got like a lot of the bands like it's all like pop punk and 
like nostalgic bands like they had Panic at the Disco headlining one year, Yumi at six, and then and Shikari bands like that. Sort of bands I grew up listening to. So to play at a festival like that, and it's not that big, so it is achievable. But it's just getting there. <laughs> mm. Two years ago, bands would have answered, "I want to headline Wacken Open Air or something." Yeah, <laughs> and now it's like, "I just want to go on stage again." <laughs> I, I literally just, I just want to, to be honest, I just want to tour Europe again. Like touring Europe, we we managed to do it literally. Well, it must be two years ago now. Before, like the year before the pandemic, and it was so much fun. Like you know, we'd only ever done like UK tours, so. We went everywhere to like. We went to Norway, Germany. We went played a couple of places in Germany. Um, went to Sweden, like it was in Scandinavian. It was it was incredible, and it was in the summer, so it was like lovely and everywhere was nice. And we went out for a night out in Hamburg and got very drunk. And <laughs> so it was no, it was great. It was great. Yeah, so we got everybody back in reality right now. <laughs> <laughs> This was um, episode, I forgot which number, but you can find everything we mentioned at metal-and-highheels.com. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you want. You can also listen to us at our homepage, of course. Yeah, Charlie, is there anything else you want to add? Or you can also take the chance to um, to tell people where they can find you on social media or the uh, your homepage and stuff like this. Okay, so um, so we're on sort of social medias. Uh, the band is AEU Official, um, Instagram, Twitter, and I think Facebook's the same as well. Um, my personal one is Charlie with two E's and Rolf with two E's. Um, if you go on the band page, you'll probably find it. I'm tagged in photos if you're that desperate to follow more my boring life. But um, <laughs> it's just pictures of my dog and me being bored during the day. So <laughs> Yeah, and something encouraging, empowering for your fans. <laughs> Some last words. <laughs> Try and stay motivated, which is very hypocritical because I am the most unmotivated person at the moment. Um, <laughs> but I think I need to get myself out of it. And it does make you feel better, especially at the moment. And especially because the weather's not great you know try and but try and still go out for a walk i feel like even if you just go out for a small walk in the day it really really helps especially with your mental health as well so and i can totally recommend listening to your upcoming album which comes on march 26th and is called within each lies the other so people on march 26th go out there search for it on spotify wherever you want to listen to it and have fun Thank you, Charlie, for being here. And yeah, yes, thank, thank you, you for listening much. out there. <laughs> Have fun and bye-bye. Bye. 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 bye.